welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Gary, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? We're doing really well, Yuri. Oh, that's awesome. Good to hear. How are things in the in Ohio? Oh, uh, we're we're in the middle of winter, just like you guys, and it's. Uh, but we had a little breath of uh, sunshine today. It was nice. Things actually melted, and yeah, I'm I'm ready for spring training in April. Uh, baseball. That's what I'm ready for. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I I know what you mean. It's been a little bit of a rough winter here in the northeast and i'm also ready for spring uh so, so spring training do you go down like and uh, like to florida or other other parts of the southern u.s and watch spring training happen i've only done that once it was on my wish list my to-do list and i dragged my wife to scottsdale arizona we watched the cleveland indians play mm-hmm. for a few days it was a blast and uh it was really a whole lot of fun but it was really hot, and so my wife said, well, this was good. We won't do this again, will we? And I said, no, we're good. So one and done, I think, but uh, sure. that's all right. Sure, she was sure. a good sport. She yeah. was a very good sport. So. Well, that's great. <laughs> so you know, you're someone who's very proficient and prolific. Uh, I'm curious, when people ask you to describe yourself and what you do, how do you answer that? Um, it's really interesting. I, I get asked that question a lot because I'm a little confusing to people, but mostly I tell them I solve problems and I solve problems in lots of different ways in lots of different areas. Uh, money, we, we've been in financial services. The family business is 60 years old last year and I'm in the middle of that. I run that. So I'm involved with money management, life insurance and all kinds of different insurances. Mm-hmm. So that's a piece of it. But it's gone way more than that. Right now, I, I almost consider myself a business consultant. And and people just call me up and say, hey, do you want to be on my board of directors? I said, no. Well, that's too bad I put you on anyway. So. <laughs> well, thank like you. A, yeah, sounds like a good problem to have. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. Oh, great. So with finance, I know a lot of people who get into finance have kind of different backgrounds. What... Were there experiences early on in your life that made you want to get into finance? Yeah, really, um, no. Um, but uh, so here's – well, it's weird in a way, yes, and weird in another weird way, no. So what happened is as a kid, our family had no money. So we lived in a house that was uh, pretty small. There were six of us in the house, and it was kind of built for three. Um, my dad had been working for my grandfather. My grandfather's company went south, not literally but figuratively, and my so it shut down. My dad had to find a new job and he ended up selling life insurance, but he couldn't make any money because it was it was just hard for him. And so he ended up also selling shoes on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I watched my family really struggle. And I tell people I have a really fine appreciation of food, clothing and shelter and what it means to have them and not to have them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that really got me started as a youngster, at least paying attention to money and, and how things worked and how my family managed to shuffle bills and we still stayed out of trouble. So 
it was an interesting education growing up. And then my father figured out how to make a living in life insurance business. And he not only did he figure it out, he became one of the top guys in the country. So our life changed rather dramatically. Mm-hmm. That was quite a culture shock. Yeah, I, I bet. So what was it that made you decide to kind of, I guess, follow in the family business and get into finance? Well, here's the funny thing, Yuri. I didn't want to go into family business at all. So, I mean, not even a little. Yeah. And in fact, it's funny. I took a class in insurance at college. I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and I had an insurance class and I was lucky to get a C. I just, it was just something I found totally boring and not interested at all, which my father was very distraught about. But it, uh, I graduated from college with a degree in English. So I was an English major with absolutely no clue, didn't want to teach. And I sold waxes and polishes for a uh, a man who had a kind of a company, a parts supply company in Ohio, Canton. Mm-hmm. And he needed a salesman. And he was a really close friend of my father's. And I think it was a mercy hire. I think he was just trying to get me out of my dad's house, which was a really good idea. So he gave me a job so they, we wouldn't argue anymore. So that's kind of how it all went down. So. <laughs> I, and and that's pretty accurate, by the way. So five years later, I, I really was good at sales, and I always thought I had a you know kind of a knack for that. But I turned out to be pretty proficient, and I was very frustrated in selling waxes and polishes. Although we were very successful, and I did really well, I just found it to be incredibly boring, mm-hmm. and not uh, for the long haul. I just couldn't see me doing this for the rest of my life. So I talked to my dad and said, what do you think about me coming to the insurance business? And we were having dinner in Florida, and he dropped his glass of wine. He was <laughs> stunned. Also a true story, and he was stunned. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, quite an interesting uh, welcome to the insurance world. So. Well, I've been bet. there ever since. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Been there ever since, 35 okay. plus years. So, so in then in the journey of, of your, your career in finance, when was it that you decided you wanted to start writing and, and talking about finance? Well, it was there's a man that I follow named Dan Sullivan. He's mm-hmm. called the Strategic Coach, if you're aware of him. Mm-hmm. I am. He's out of Chicago, and I decided to enroll in his class. So I go four times a year, and he would talk about writing books. And he would always say, it's really a good idea to write a book. It helps you get your name out. It, it helps establish your credibility. And I would listen, and I would listen, and I'd say, yeah, right, I'm not doing that. That seems like a lot of work. Then I thought, wait a minute, I'm an English major. I could be, I could do this. So I finally decided one day in class that I would actually write a book. So I put the pieces together, and what I ended up writing about was what I knew about. It was, if your money talked, what secrets would it tell? It was all about these clients of mine that had made terrible financial decisions. So I wrote about them. Of course, they changed their name, their sex, their job, mm-hmm. so they couldn't sue me. But it was kind of an easy write because I knew their stories and it was kind of easy to put together. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. And so did that well, – I mean was your goal with writing the book then to, to get more speaking gigs and to work with a larger array of clients? Absolutely not. It was as weird as it sounds. <laughs> I really didn't have that in mind. It's, <laughs> it's strange, Harry, but I really was more interested in just getting the information out because people were such train wrecks with their money and they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. All these people come and see me and I was just frustrated that, you know, I, I, in fact, in the book I wrote, people actually thought they could go to Las Vegas and hit it rich and retire. And I'm thinking, really? But they did. And so I, I just thought there's a flaw in the system. 
And I decided to talk about that and discuss why those things don't work and then give some people some real solid information on what they can do to help their finances. Mm -hmm. So that really was the first book. Okay. Yeah. Well, so with that, that subject matter, what, so what is some advice that you hear other people giving out that is just completely wrong and terrible about finance? (laughs) 15-year mortgages and variable (laughs) mortgages. I, I drives me crazy. I, I just look at people and say, why in the world would you do that? And I owned a mortgage company at one point in time, and I never sold 15-year mortgages because what? you don't need to. You can turn a 30-year mortgage into a 15, just pay more principal, but you get to control the money flow instead of the bank. Mm-hmm. And I just really found that a problem. Now, I have no problem with paying off your house, your house in 15 years. I'm great with that. It's just I want to be in control. I don't want them to control me. Okay. Yeah, that's well that's really good advice because I keep on getting information in the mail. Like, like my mortgage company really wants me to switch over to the 15 year and I just throw that away. But uh, now I have even better reason to just ignore their mail. Yeah, yeah you can turn your your mortgage into a 15 just pay a little more principal and and it disappears. It's not magic. It's it's yeah. math. And uh <laughs> but it's pretty cool. It it seems like magic by the way. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally just paid off a property of mine doing exactly that, and I had a 30-year mortgage on it, and I just kept paying a little more, a little more, a little more, and sure enough, uh, I turned a 30-year mortgage into a 20-year mortgage. worked out really well. Wow, that's great. It was fun. It was really a nice, uh, that was a nice dinner that night. My wife and I went out and celebrated. It was cool. Yeah. Good stuff. So what financial advice would you give to, say, a smart, driven 20-something who has just finished college and is entering the world and didn't really grow up in a house where they learned anything about college, like, I mean, about finance. What are some things that you would tell them to do that would help them for the long run? Well, the first thing I tell them, and they look at me like I'm on a wrong planet, is don't spend more than you make. And they think, well, that's logical. And I said, no, wait, that means you can't put things on credit cards. You can't run up bills that you can't afford to pay. Hmm. And then they say, oh, that's what you mean. I said, yeah, that's what I mean. So every time you put something on a credit card and you can't pay it off, you just bought something you couldn't afford to buy. Mm -hmm. And I said, and if you do that enough, you will have big, big problems. So I really try them. I I get to. I really get them to think about trying not to ramp up the credit card spending and, and really hold that to a minimum. I, I have a rule with my clients. I want them paid off every month. At the end of the month, I said, I don't want to carry any balances unless it's something extraordinary. And and that's really what I try and do. And that's the first thing. If I can get them to think through that. And then I tell them a story about this doctor who is a friend of mine, uh, actually a client also. And he had over a hundred grand on credit cards. And wow. he made about 160 a year, mm-hmm. and he had 100,000 credit card debt. He was paying about 20% average, so it was costing him 20,000 a year just to pay the interest, not knocking down principal. Mm-hmm. And he just just seemed to think that was perfectly fine. And I found it very offensive. And I kept saying, <laughs> "This doesn't." I said, I, "I don't like this." And he said, "Well." You don't have to pay the bill. I said, no, but I have to see this every year. And I said, it's kind of not good. And so he looked at me and he just never really got it. And I said, this isn't going to work. I said, there's no good ending to this story. There will not be a happy ending. So, And of course, there wasn't a happy ending because how do you end happy when you owe somebody a hundred grand and you're paying 20% interest? Yeah. Crazy. 
So I, I really try and get them to do that. The other thing is so many of the kids that I run into coming out of college have very serious debt. Mm-hmm. And when I, one of the things I really stress on them when they get their job is to pay cash for everything they possibly can pay cash for and to charge virtually nothing. I said, you need to have credit cards. You need to have established credit. I said, but you don't need to run them up. Make sure they're paid off every month and pay cash anywhere you can. I've always found that to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are that's great advice. When was it then that you decided to write your second book, The American well, that, Dream Revisited? Oh, that one, Yuri, was a, a kind of, I get angry. So when I get angry, <laughs> I write books. So <clears throat> I, I have a I have a bit of an addiction. Mm-hmm. Every morning I get up and I hit a coffee shop and I order a mocha, and on my way way into work, which is about seven minutes, there's four of them, different shops. And I just circulate the four shops and I keep it, you know, kind of interesting because I go to different ones. So one morning I'm in a shop called Karma Cafe and I'm drinking a mocha, sitting at a table, minding my own business, probably thinking about my day, the week, the month, I don't know, my life. I'm not sure what I was thinking about that morning, but that's kind of what I would do. Mm-hmm. Four college students come in and sit right behind me and they start having a conversation and the conversation is about the American dream. And I'm listening because that's something I took a course in college. I always thought it was interesting. And pretty soon they called it the American disaster. Hmm. And three of them really were not positive about what was going on. They complained about credit card debt and college debt and a tough job market. And and I'm listening to this and, and I'm not real happy. And then finally the fourth who hadn't said anything finally chips in and says, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to get a good job. I'll pay my bills off. I'm going to have a great life. He said, I think you guys are way over the top. Well, they shut him down in a minute. And he never said another word. And and I listened to this. And I, I, as I told people that day, I walked out of Karma Cafe with really bad karma. <laughs> so, so about three nights later, about four o'clock in the morning, I literally woke up and said, OK, this is not right. It bugged me the entire time. I'm going to write a book. And I decided to write a book about the American dream. Thus, the American dream revisited and really kind of stressed the fact that it's still possible that what I wrote about is real and the fact that they didn't think it was real. I don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. Hmm, excellent. And in, so in that book, what kind of I mean, it seems like you kind of just cover other people's stories on, on what they're working on or what their journeys were. Yeah, I, I interviewed 25 people all across the country. And I found all kinds of names and got all these different people. I'd never met most of them and interviewed them and tried to work out their stories. And I ended up with 13 stories that I really felt comfortable with. And those are the stories I wrote. And I would tell those stories as to how they succeeded. But it wasn't all about getting rich or anything like that. It was really just about survival for most of them. Uh, Again, food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. With interviewing these people from different areas, were there some commonalities that you were noticing that they all did or didn't do? They had a whole series of traits that I thought was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And and there, it was interesting to me because when I really started this, I didn't know what I was going to get and what it was all about. But what I found out is that they had some very common traits when I really sat down and digested what I had written. And one of them is they all had a sense of humor. They all were able to look at themselves and make fun of themselves about their failures, their screw-ups, how they got started. They just all kind of were able to laugh at themselves, and I found that very refreshing, Yuri. Mm -hmm. The second thing is they all had mentors, 
Every single one of them had mentors, many mentors, in some cases, multiple mentors. They would find people that took an interest in them and help them move to the next level, the next step. And some of their mentors, in fact, one person in particular, his mentor was with him for 35 years. And he just found that that man was such a dependable person to talk to. And he never had a vested interest in this other than the fact that he just wanted to help him. So mentorship became a big deal. The other thing that I looked at, and I really think this is a strong point, the people that I interviewed all had a tendency to not look forward and what they had accomplished. They would have a tendency to look back and see where they came from. Hmm. And I found that to be really refreshing from the standpoint that they were not always trying to get something more. It wasn't, you know, they had a good year. They could have had a great year. None of that. I never heard any of that. What they did is they said, wow, when we looked at where we came from, it's amazing that we got to where we ended or where we landed. And and that's really true. So it was fascinating to talk to them and see them all get to their same place. Yeah, that is fascinating. It's, it's, it's great to see those commonalities. In your own life and what you're doing now, how do you see the world changing and technology getting getting into um you know the world in the in the financial industry and do you think what's happening with technology is helping or hurting the financial industry well you know i think the <laughs> it's so interesting we're talking about this because we talk about this in my office mm-hmm. and my nephew and i work together and we talk about technology all the time and and how some of it is good and some of it isn't good and we can't figure out which side's going to win but we're hoping the good side wins. But there's some good parts to this and some not so goods. The availability of information is fantastic. The problem is some of the information isn't very good information. Mm-hmm. It's really plentiful, but it's not going to help someone. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding, and it's very very interesting, at least I think so, is that a lot of clientele are coming back to us and talking to us again rather than trying to figure it out themselves online or through some sort of software situation they don't really understand. They're asking questions that are way more personal that you couldn't get an answer from a computer from, at least today. Mm-hmm. In the future, I'm not sure the computer's not going to be as, as... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're getting very smart. <laughs> they're yeah. a lot smarter than I am. And I'm not <laughs> sure how they're going to handle those questions. of there's, But those touchy-feely questions, I, I don't know how computers deal with those. Sure. Yeah, so, that's true. I'm not sure how empathetic computers are just just yet anyway. I have yet to see one give me a good hug. So um, <laughs> that's all I can tell you, Yuri. I, but but that is it is their future and they're certainly going to be part of our industry. And I know that. And there's going to be people that are just going to live by that machine. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be people that come to me and say, hey, Gary, I did this on a machine. I'm not so sure I really like this. I don't want the responsibility. Why don't you do it? Yeah. I'll say, okay. So I think we're going to have some of that for a while. Okay. So in talking about going to places for pieces of information, and there's being a lot of it, but not all of it good, where do you go to read your information about what's happening in the either the financial industry or for advice? It's it's inter- I I love to pick up and read books. So I'll grab some books from some people. I don't necessarily understand immediately what they're writing about, mm-hmm. but it's it's financial and pretty soon, you know, hopefully it'll it'll dawn on me where they're coming from, but some of them are really good. Some of them I just read about 50 pages and say I will never understand how this works and why this applies in my life. 
So I, I'm, a, I'm a reader. I have a number of magazines that I subscribe to. There's a lot of online. I actually get magazines, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I actually read some of those articles because they're germane to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that good. The other thing is there's some sources out there that I very much trust. And I will go to them and ask them. There's a business resource center that I tap into often. And they're filled with attorneys. There's another site that we subscribe to who's got a lot of very, very important information that I can utilize in my system. And that's really what I do. Plus, I've been in the business so long, I literally can pick up the phone and call somebody all across the country if Mm -hmm. I need something. I know someone who knows the answer. They may not know it, but they will. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So So it's it's why I have all this gray hair. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've earned it. Yeah. So that's great. So of all the, you know, the, the books and articles and things that you have read, what would you say has been other than your own book, your most gifted book? Um, you know, it's, there's a, it's, my book would not be that late, but anyhow, but thank you. <laughs> but anyhow, no, I, I really like Napoleon Hill, Think mm-hmm. and Grow Rich. I mean, that book was written like 100 years ago, and it still makes a whole lot of sense. There's so much logic and so much interesting things written in those pages, even though it's about, I mean, it's about Edison and Ford and Carnegie. And people say, well, that's not relevant today. I said, oh, no, read that book. It's very relevant. I said, all of that is relevant. And yeah. that's one of my favorite go-tos. And even though it was written, you know, like I said, a long time ago, there's so much good information. And those interviews that he did and these people that became successful, fascinating how they did it uh, impressive and then also very down to earth i mean some of them i mean they came here with nothing ended up to be some of them massively wealthy and he really kind of focused on them i i tried not to do that but i still like the information that he delivered mm-hmm. with the the projects that you're working on and how you structure your day is there are there particular ways that you manage your time and focus just to make sure that you move through your day productively? Yes. Um, After the coffee shop, I I really kind of set my day up when I'm in the coffee shop. I literally think through how my day is going to work. And I pre-plan it. I I mean, I literally will sit there and think about who I'm seeing, what I'm going to talk to them about, how this is going to go down. And I kind of write the script before we have the discussion. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have the play written before the play happens. And I find that to be very, very helpful. And I do that literally every morning and the other thing i am is i am an, a bit anal but i have lots of to-do lists and i love crossing them out mm-hmm. and so i have a kind of a rotation of to-do lists and it depends what i'm working on and i try and mix it up and not do the same thing day in and day out that would be really boring so yeah. i'll take a to-do list that and mix it up and, and do something that i normally don't do and it's just kind of off in left field but i decide it's the day i'm going to do left field so mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of cool. And some some days I just pick up the phone and say, I'm going to spend the day on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'll call people I haven't talked to for a while and just catch up with them. Uh, so it's it's interesting. I, I find myself moving from spot to spot to spot within my own office, on my own desk. And it's not bored. You know, there's just no boredom in that. Yeah. Well, that's great. So so with this and, and you changing up your, your days, would you say that, like in the last five years, there has been a new behavior or habit that you've done that has been that has helped your life become more successful. I, I think a couple things. There's one thing that my father stressed to me a long time ago, 
and I think I've made it even more uh, important in my life. And that was, it's not about how much money I make. It's how much I help people. And, and mm-hmm. the solution isn't how much money I, I bring in. It's mm-hmm. how many do I solve problems? So when I wake up in the morning, I think, whose problem am I going to solve today and how am I going to help them solve it? Now, sometimes I don't know what those problems are. And, you know, I'll be surprised. I was surprised today. <laughs> someone gave me a toy. I says, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Anyway, uh, and I couldn't help them solve that problem. I said, you're going to have to give me time. This one's kind of out of my wheelhouse. Let me think and I'll see if I can help you. But it's going to take me time to work through what you just told me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. But the idea that uh, you know, I, um, as I tell people, I'm skinny, but I've eaten all my meals. I, you know, I, I'm not working to make, yeah, you know, it's not the last buck. I don't care about that. Don't want to be the richest guy in Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It, that stuff doesn't impress me. What I am impressed with is when I've had a good day, how I feel at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think in the last five years has really been all about. Oh, that's great. So with that, what would you say is the the best or most worthwhile investment that you have made in myself. <laughs> so yeah. I, I invest in Gary, and the reason I do that strategic coach, I go to Chicago four times a year. I, I try and pick up things that will help me understand who I am better, so I can understand other people better. I, I think that's the biggest investment I've really made. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when I look at what I've spent; it, it's a lot of money, but it's come back, you know, tenfold. Oh yeah. How did you first hear about? strategic coach uh, actually it was an insurance convention and dan and dan sullivan and bab smith who he's married to who are partners of strategic coach actually attended this meeting that i attended and we were down in an island somewhere i don't even remember which island we we're at and they were having a pool chat and i happened to sit down and listen to the pool chat and i really liked what they had to say so i had come back and i said okay i'm going to join ironically, a guy I knew from Cleveland, Ohio, which is 60 minutes away, said, hey, there's a guy in in Cleveland that's doing a strategic coach thing. Do you want to join? And I said, wow, I don't have to go to Chicago. This is pretty cool. (laughs) So I joined, but it turned out not to be strategic coach. It turned to be a derivative of strategic coach. Some guy had ripped off a bunch of stuff, and it wasn't anywhere near like strategic coach, but it kept me okay for a few years, and then I realized I had a conversation with one of my friends from New York City who actually went to coach, and we were talking about something, and I realized I should go to the real coach, not the guy that's the uh, the imposter. Yeah. So I switched gears, and I've been doing that. I think I'm in my 13th year this year. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. It, with no intention of, of quitting because I go every quarter, and I come back inspired, and uh, it's fun. So mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I, have done, I haven't done strategic coach, but I've done – similar types of events and uh, uh, definitely like spending time learning, improving yourself, especially for me as well, has really paid off in the long term. So that's wonderful that that's, that's, that's your best investment. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, Yuri. I, I, one of my best friends, we went to dinner last night for Valentine's Day, his wife and Linda and I, and he's told me a few times, he said, you know, when you were in school, you were a good guy. He said, but you're actually a nice guy now. And I said, well, thanks. <laughs> I said, no. And he's one of my best friends here. So, yeah. no, but you know, you just, you just learn. And he said, man, this coach thing's really good for you. And I said, yeah, it really has been, yeah. it, you know, it allowed me to focus on a lot more stuff than just business and, mm-hmm. and allowed me to have a better life, a better balanced life. So 
so in your life, when those times come, you come across when you're, you know, frustrated or failing at something, how do you approach those and push past those times? You mean after the tears? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are first. No, I, uh, I, you know, it's funny. Last week was one of those weeks. I just had a bunch of stuff go the wrong way. And, and that's how the world works. You know, things go the right way, then they go the wrong way. And, you know, you turn left, you turn right. Sometimes you go in a circle. Well, last week happened to be one of those weeks. And so I really literally sat down with my wife and, and she's great at listening to me and at least for five minutes. So she did that. And uh, no, so we had a good conversation and she's very good at calming me down. Mm-hmm. And then I have a few friends that are really good listeners and I will call them up and say, hey, I'll buy you coffee. Meet me. And one of them was like last Monday at 3.30. I called him and said, what are you doing? He said, well, I was going to head home early. I, I said, no. He said, meet me at the coffee shop. He said, why? I said, no, nah, I need to talk to you. He said, okay. We were there for an hour and a half. And and I basically, I don't know if he said anything other than hello, Gary. I mean, it was just one of those, <laughs> I just needed to talk to somebody. Or so he was great. Now, the other side of this is he'll do the same thing to me. And, mm-hmm. and he'll call me up and say, what are you doing? I said, well, he said, can you meet me? I said, sure. And it's always the same thing. So we, we kind of help each other. And I have a kind of like four or five people like that that really make a big difference. Oh, that's great. So in your life, with everything that you've done and experienced, what would you say has been the best advice you have ever received? That would be from my father. And that was um, help the people in the room. And that's what you're there for. And not to help yourself. And, and that very simple concept is not simple. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you're there to help them, not to help yourself. And once I got that, I was a slow learner. learner. It took me a little while. But once I really grasped what my father was saying, um, everything changed. My income, gosh, it quadrupled. My enjoyment of life quadrupled. I mean, everything just shifted gears because I was no longer thinking about Gary. I was thinking about the people I was actually with. And I became a better listener and really a better person here. Mm, that's wonderful. Yep. One, yeah. Well, thank you, Gary. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me. If the listeners would like to uh, hear more about you and, and see more about what you're working on, what is the best place they can do to find, go to find you? Got two places. They can go to the AmericanDreamRevisited.com, and that's my book site, mm-hmm. and they'll get to me there. Or they can go to GarySurak.com. Wonderful. And both of those are out there in the real world, and and if they buy my book and like it, please say something nice on Amazon. They always appreciate that. So, no, it's a uh, it's funny how that all works, but yeah, it's it's been good. Oh, wonderful! And I'll I'll make sure I put the links to both of those in the show notes so people can click right through. I very much appreciate that. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Gary, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. You you have a great night. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.